All right, you hear me all right? All right, let's go with this one here. 30 stick right, Reno, Zip Malboro, Miami LeBron. Subscribe notifications on, on two. Ready? On two. Set hit. Blue 58. Blue 58. Cannon with 18 art. I want right. 180. Yeah, here we go. Red right, 24 double Puma on one. Ready, Set hit. Welcome into In the Huddle. I am your host, Josh Ortega, and welcome to our first ever episode as the In the Huddle podcast. Today we got a stack schedule for you guys, for you listeners, whether you're listening to this on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this, or you listen to your podcast, or you're watching this on YouTube on the SCT Sports channel. Thank you for tuning in. We got a long list of things to get into today. We're going over NFL honors, Super Bowl previews, uh, deal or no deal with Stefan Diggs, and we're going to wrap it up with what the Cliff Kingsbury higher means for the Washington Commanders and maybe heading into the draft. With that being said, though, welcome in, and this is our first inaugural episode. If you're watching this on YouTube, you guys are kind of familiar with the SEC Sports channel. It's our YouTube channel where we cover everything in the NFL. That's kind of where this is going to be as well. This show is going to be something that I cover the NFL, everything going on, little things. We can react to things going in the offseason. Obviously, it's kind of a bad time to start an NFL podcast because, for one, we're heading into Super Bowl week, but that's why we're previewing it this week. So come next season, we're going to get everything rolling here. I want to get this going in the season, but with time constraints and everything like that. With that being said, though, go subscribe to the SEC Sports channel, Sports Network on YouTube, follow us on TikTok, Instagram. Things like Instagram is where you can see every single game recap from every single week in the NFL season, buy or two because of Christmas break. With that being said, though, we're going to have a Super Bowl recap this weekend, so you don't really want to miss out on that. Follow for off-season. That's really where you're going to see all the off-season news on this channel. You're going to see a lot of it come on TikTok first and Instagram and then onto this channel if it gets bigger and into bigger news. So with that being said, though, we also break down teams, signings, just things going forward, what happened this season, and a lot of off-season talk and everything like that's going to be coming more in the next couple weeks. With that being said, though, let's get into it. Obviously, last night was NFL honors, so that means we got Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, the big one, MVP and Comeback Player of the Year as well. So I didn't watch the show, for one, because I was watching the Lakers game versus the Nuggets, and I kind of wish I didn't because I got my heart broken at the end because we lost in the Mamba jerseys, which sucks. Either way, though, getting into it, NFL honors was last week and, or last, this, well, yesterday, excuse me, not even last week, and I'm already thinking about other things. But with that being said, though, NFL Honors was this weekend. We have the all of the winners of the awards as well as Ultimate Man of the Year. Uh, just kind of go through the list. Obviously, CJ Stroud was the Offensive Rookie of the Year, voted AP. That makes sense. I mean, look, CJ Stroud had a great year. If CJ Stroud wasn't a rookie this year, it would have been Puga Nakua, Puga Nakua or anybody else. With that being said, though, he was your Offensive Rookie of the Year for 2023-2024 season. Defensive Rookie of the Year goes to Will Anderson Jr. of the Texans as well. This is the second year we are seeing a sort of a trend of Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year coming from the same team. Obviously, last year, Sauce Gardner and Gary Wilson. This year, CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. Offensive Player of the Year. Obviously, you could have got a Tyreek Hill, CD Lamb, but it went to CMC. I mean, CD, CMC had a monster year. I know CD had a very good year towards the end of the year with the Cowboys. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill. He's a freak of nature. But CMC wins this award. And honestly, I had a lot of debate about this one because... For one, you know, there's always somebody who's saying, oh, MVP should be a non-quarterback award. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be a quarterback award. We're really, I don't think we're ever going to see a non-quarterback win MVP, at least for a while. And if that's the case, it has to be a season where a quarterback quite literally could be playing off of their rocker, out of their mind, and we won't see them not play well, but like the stats are just so monstrous that a quarterback, it'd be so hard for a quarterback not to win that award. So I think that's the next time we'll see a non-quarterback MVP. I mean, shoot, we could see it with this upcoming season. I don't know. That being said, though, 
overall, I just think that Offensive Player of the Year is kind of the closest thing for non-quarterback positions to really get, or offensive positions, that is, to really get close to MVP. Obviously, everybody hates that MVP is a quarterback award, but what are you going to do? In this day and age, you know, quarterback is always going mean, to, MVP is always going to be a quarterback award. That being said, though, CMC won it, and I think, honestly, it's extremely fair. CMC had a monster year. I know Tyreek did as well, and like I mentioned before, CD and so many other players had great years. CMC was kind of like just the cream of the crop, though. The reason, one of the main reasons why the 49ers are here is because of their play, of CMC's play, how good he's been this season, fully healthy, obviously towards the stretch, he had a little bit of an injury there, but he had a full, basically a fully healthy season, and the guy was out of his mind in the Kyle Shanahan system, so that explains offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year goes to Miles Garrett. It's not actually the first time he's ever won defensive player of the year, which is actually kind of crazy knowing that Miles Garrett has been so dominant in the league for so long, but now Miles Garrett finally takes home defensive player of the year. Max Crosby, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons were all favorites as well. Max Crosby, I think, had a really sneakily good year. I think he was dominant this year. He was like on a different level this year than he's ever been. That being said, though, he couldn't take hold of Defensive Player of the Year. I'm sure he's, you know, I'm not sure Miles, Miles Crosby, Max Crosby is kind of bummed about that. Uh, because for one, one of the reasons why the Browns were so successful this year in the AOC was their pass rush. Darius Smith, Dalvin Thomas, and Shelby Harris. Miles Garrett was just insane this year, and I think he took his play to a different level. TJ Watt was also up there in the conversation as well. I just think as well, he had also a very good year with Cam Hayward being out for most of the year as well. Honestly, you could go either way, and I think anybody really could have won this award, but Miles Garrett, cream of the crop for the defensive players this season. Obviously, MVP went to Lamar Jackson. Now, as a Bills fan, I wanted to go to Josh Allen, but I mean, look, Lamar had a great year, stayed healthy. That was one of the question marks coming into this season. Can he stay healthy? Can he play in those big games? I know the way it ended for the Ravens is not really the way they wanted it to end this season, but overall, I just think that, honestly... I love Josh Allen. I think the turnovers really were killer, but I know a lot of Bills fans are saying you put the Ravens, you put Lamar in the Bills offense and they're worse, and you put Josh Allen in the Ravens offense and they're better. Overall, honestly, look, Lamar had a great season. Josh had a great season as well. It could go either way. I think Lamar obviously just had the more consistent season and just the results were better all throughout the year. The Ravens were a contender basically since week one, right? They were a contender. There was no doubt that they weren't a contender. They were dominant all year. That's what Lamar, Lamar won MVP. Now, a lot of controversies come from Comeback Player of the Year. Joe Flacco won it. A lot of people thought Baker Mayfield should have won it, and you really could argue that as well. But a lot of people felt that DeMar Hamlin should have won it. Obviously, DeMar Hamlin, the situation that happened last se- last year, towards the end of the year, with you know him going down and that whole incident and this injury, and it was horrifying and terrifying and really was you know a very scary moment when you look back on it on Monday Night Football. I know a lot of people were not happy that DeMar didn't win it, and to be honest, you know, it's it's kind of hard because of the fact that, you know, DeMar Hamlin didn't play a lot of snaps. That's the big argument. He didn't play a lot of snaps. And yes, he basically died on a football field and came back to life and played in an NFL game and played snaps. And I know he didn't play a lot of meaningful snaps, but they were on special teams and everything like that. And that felt like that should have been come back play of the year. Look, I love DeMar Hamlin. I love what he's done. I'm a Bills fan. So I've, you know, really watched that firsthand what happened to him against the Bengals on Monday Night Football and a scary incident at that, and I've just been a big supporter of what he's been doing outside of football as well, obviously with various different charities, various different organizations being kind of a leader in that end for pushing for, you know, obviously the, what happened to him, you know, be just turning around and not turning around, but just being an advocate, I think is the best word I can put for being an advocate for all different types of things, everything, and I love what he's been doing, and I know many people want him to win this, but again, I, look, I think the argument kind of stands, yes. You know, he didn't play a lot of snaps. 
this season. And yes, he did die on a football field and he did come back and play those snaps. But overall, I, I feel like, look, Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, you know, have really, I mean, look, Baker, for one, turned his career around. I mean, the guy coming into this season, frankly, really didn't have a lot of things going for him. I mean, look, he was in a quarterback battle with Kyle Trask. He didn't even get the starting job when he was signed. He had a battle for it, right? Last three years, coming off of being released or traded from Cleveland, he has just been a blender, right? The guy, I, I thought the guy was going to be a backup the rest of his career. Yeah, I was sitting in the offseason saying maybe the Cardinals should sign Baker Mayfield. I think, and if you go back and watch it on the SEC Sports Network, I made a video about all the quarterback moves uh, going forward and how I thought, you know, Baker Mayfield might be, you know, a, a career backup now. I didn't expect him to be where he's at, win a playoff game, go far in the playoffs, take this Bucks team where he took him. And I think, you know, obviously Dave Canales, who is now the head coach of the Panthers, also has something to do with that. But overall, you know, Joe Flacco as well came off the couch, led the Browns to playoff win, you know, to the playoffs secured it obviously they got knocked down the first round but kind of had a cinderella story a cinderella story a lynn sanity moment for that matter and overall look comeback player of the year is a tricky you know award because so many people can win it you can put so many people different people into the category i thought this year we were kind of going to have it like a back in 2009 or 2008 where they had two comeback player of the years i thought we we're gonna have that here with demar hamlin and joe flacco but we have joe flacco as the comeback player of the year for the season so look I love DeMar Hamlin. I love Baker Mayfield. You could really fit any of them into that category to win the award. End of the day, it is just an award. And I think end of the day, it doesn't matter who you can put in there as long as they've had a great season. Just look back and reflect on that season, though. With that being said, though, I think it's time we get to our next segment, our Super Bowl preview. Obviously, it was media day basically all week. Uh, Monday night was media night. And honestly, a lot of funny things, a lot of funny videos came out of there. For one, Patrick Mahomes commenting on his impression of Kermit the Frog. And then Brock Purdy also commenting on Anna Fry. If you don't know who Anna Fry is, she's basically this girl on TikTok who is like a tennis athlete. She's one of the best tennis players, I think, in high school sports. And she looks like Brock Purdy. She really does. Like, that's one of the reasons she blew up because she looks like Brock Purdy. And, uh, I'm, you know, she's been all over my For You page because of Brock Purdy edits and all that stuff like that. But overall, I mean, it's funny that he knows about it. Obviously, if you saw the NFC Championship game, obviously, all the videos that came out of there, you had Chuba Purdy, uh, Brock's brother, who's in college, saying Anna Fry is heading to the Super Bowl and he goes, stop. And that was just, that was funny. That was a good laugh. So overall, I think it's funny that he acknowledges it and that he like just, you know, he, he acknowledges it and he knows about it and he makes joke, you know, he doesn't really joke about it, but it's just kind of funny his face when people bring it up, you know, like he kind of like laughs on the inside. It's like, oh, I got to talk about this again. But, you know, it's better than the Jim Har- or the John Harbaugh one. I don't, I don't really see the resemblance for him and John Harbaugh. I don't see it. I don't really see it. So either way, it's just kind of funny. A lot of things that come out of it. A lot of funny things. Uh, my favorite is the 49ers going over their favorite Mexican dishes. And a lot of, or as well as the Chiefs, I think it was all both teams, but I saw many of the 49ers. And uh, one of the, I think it was a 49ers player who shot up Pupusas, so shout out to him. You know, all my Salvadorians out there know Pupusas are very good. Now, I don't eat Pupusas every single day, but I know that they're very good. So overall, shout out to him there. But with that being said, though, honestly, I think it's time to get into it. So Monday was like media day. I didn't actually know that it was like a media day, like a live media day. Honestly, like since the Pro Bowl, I think the NFL has done a really bad job at telling us when these days are because i honestly forgot like i didn't know that was going on like i was you know watching over social media and seeing all these interviews happen live then i'm like oh it's like media day in allegiant stadium like and i'm seeing all these clips come out from there and like the same thing with the pro bowl like i didn't watch the pro bowl nor was i going to but like either way i think they did a bad job of kind of telling us when these things are going to happen but we all know super bowl this weekend and honestly this week it was back and forth between 49ers fans and chiefs fans uh honestly across all social media but during that monday night live where they you know did the interviews with the players and with, you know, the other team in front of them. And, you know, you had 49ers fans who packed Allegiant Stadium. 
mainly because it's so close. But, you know, that was the one thing. It was definitely a back and forth between 49ers fans and Chiefs fans. I mean, look, there's a lot of animosity. I mean, not animosity. There's not a lot of, a lot of love lost from these two teams, frankly, because of from the 49ers standpoint, because of what happened in 2019 as the Chiefs beat them in the Super Bowl in 2019. Look, either way, coming into this game, I don't know where the, the stakes are higher for the Chiefs or the 49ers. Right now, the the 49ers are currently negative two favorites over the Chiefs. And honestly, when it comes to, you know, the stakes, right? You know, what do you have to lose? I think the stakes are higher for the 49ers, especially for Kyle Shanahan. You know, we all know Kyle's one of the best coaches in the NFL, an offensive genius. But I think that this Super Bowl in his second is his second as a head coach. And frankly, the 49ers team that made the Super Bowl in 2019, I don't think comes close to this team for the 49ers heading into 2023-24 that is going to the Super Bowl and will be playing on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. That being said, though, if the 49ers lose again this year, I think it becomes something that lingers over his head as in, in his coaching career. And honestly, until he gets to another one and wins it. So honestly, I don't know who's going to win this Super Bowl. I, you know, Going later in my preview, I'll let you guys know my, my prediction, but it's, it's a toss-up. Frankly, it can go either way here. Now, I don't doubt that Kyle and the 49ers could make another Super Bowl if, you know, they're like this massive fallout. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, there's going to be this massive fallout if they lose the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll be in this position either next year or damn near close, you know, being what happens in free agency and everything like that here. But honestly, I think that Kyle Shanahan is the most elusive because really, when you get to the Super Bowl, it's all about winning it, right? You've got, you know, all this work in the offseason, all this work in season, the ups and downs, right? In the roller coaster of an NFL season. It's all to get to this point, right? And Kyle Shanahan's been here once before. He lost it. And now he's got another chance to win it here against Andy Reid and the Chiefs, you know, who know how to win this, who've been here before and frankly, shouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Like they they just shouldn't be here, right? It's kind of crazy to say that, you know, we all doubted Patrick Mahomes this season, right? Whether it was the drop passes from his wide receivers, the offensive play, the lulls, just the overall frustration we saw from Patrick Mahomes this season is a lot. And we honestly, I haven't seen that before in a lot. I, like, frankly, I don't think we've ever seen that in his career. The frustration we've seen him go through and battle through and just the ups and downs of the Chiefs season. Look, going into the playoffs, we all thought, oh, they're making it to the second round. They're getting knocked out. You know, this Chiefs team isn't good, but they're here and they have the chip on their shoulder. And honestly, it's kind of scary because we've seen a Chiefs team without the chip on their shoulder, right? We've seen the Chiefs team, you know, be the best team in the NFL, get to a Super Bowl. And now we are having them be doubted. They're not even favorites in the Super Bowl right now. The 49ers are still favorites. Amid all this, amid all the doubt, the Chiefs are still underdogs, right? Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid are underdogs in the Super Bowl. Isn't that kind of crazy to say? Like, imagine, look, and a lot of people are comparing comparing Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady, right? And for good reason, right? The guy has basically not done what, Pat, what Tom Brady has done, but is damn near close to what Tom Brady is has d- did in his career and has did, you know, ended up doing in his career and all the wins and everything like that. With that being said, though, it's just like, it's kind of crazy that, you know, if Mahomes could retire right now he would be a first ballot hall of famer the guy would be the guy would be a first ballot hall of famer you know what i mean and i don't think he will retire anytime soon look i and even to put that out there i don't think he is i think the guy wants to catch brady he wants to be ahead of brady i know the competitor that he is he wants to win everything he can win and more and until he can't stop winning he will call it quits look overall it's crazy that you know to think if we're gonna put tom brady as an underdog right and i know a lot of times in his career he was considered an underdog but even if he had won all the Super Bowls and we put him as an underdog, I mean, just come on. You know, like, it feels like we're putting Mahomes as an underdog. We are putting Mahomes as an underdog. You know, it feels like we are putting Mahomes as an underdog. And honestly, it's just crazy. Like, it's insane. Like, the Chiefs, on paper, with the season they had, shouldn't be here. But they are. 
And honestly, that's what makes them scarier. Like, you know, it makes them scarier because, you know, look, they have that fuel. They have that hunger. You know, I know that they have that and they've been using that all week. And frankly, since the playoffs started all season to really get it going and to really motivate themselves to get here and get where they want to get and win the Super Bowl again, back to back champions, which honestly, I don't know if we've ever had in NFL history, maybe like later or early on in the Super Bowl era, but I don't know if we've had that really in this modern day Super Bowl era, you know, with Brady and Manning. I don't think we've ever had that, you know. With that being said, though, when it comes to the games and just how each team beats each other, for the 49ers, I think the real way they beat the Chiefs is the run game. The Chiefs' run defense has not been very good this year. They've been about middle of the pack. They've not been terrible. But we've seen, you know, the last couple of games in the playoffs is against Buffalo. We saw Buffalo run you know, the ball down their throats. And honestly, as a Bills fan, we're not the best running team. We've gotten a lot better. And I love our run game now. But in the last couple of years, we've not been a very good run team. And now you're seeing us run the ball down the Chiefs. Obviously, you know, we didn't end up winning the game. But, you know, you saw that all year. Teams could run the ball down the Chiefs, even with Chris Jones, Mike Dana, George Karlaftis, you know, uh, Charles Amenahue, who I don't think is actually, I mean, he might play this week. I know he was injured against Baltimore, but I'm not sure he's going to play this week as well, the former 49er. With that being said, though, I think CMC is going to have a big role. And I think really Steve Spagnuolo is going to really put an emphasis on the run game and the defense. I think he's really going to harp that. I think he's probably been harping that all week uh, in terms of that and as well as coverage as well. But look, I, you know, I just think that with the cold starts that Brock Purdy has had, he's going to have to lean on this run game. I know the last two playoff games, kind of, had a, he's had cold starts. And in the second half, we've kind of seen him ramp it up a little bit more. With that being said, though, I think CMC, you're going to lean on him. You got to lean on him to start this game, especially if Brock Purdy starts cold because Really, when Brock Purdy starts cold and you start throwing the ball, this Chiefs secondary is very good. Legarius Steen is very good. Trent McDuffie is very good. Watson is very good. Justin Reed is very good. Linebacking core, Brandon Bolden, Willie Gay, you'll get him back from injury. He missed the Baltimore game. They're very good. They're good in coverage. They're very good at taking the best player out. And whether that's going to be Debo lining up next to Legarius Sneed or Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle, I know there's a lot of weapons on this 49ers team. But with that being said, though, you got to lead on CMC in the run game. You know what I mean? You got to force them into one safety looks, into looks you want to see that you can throw the ball and take advantage of. You want to use all your weapons you can and have Brock Purdy be on time and throw on time. So look, I think the one way the 49ers beat him is through the run game as well. With that being said though, I don't think you can limit Patrick Mahomes on defense. I think for the 49ers, you really want to limit Travis Kelsey, right? Travis Kelsey is a safety blanket. He's the guy who can have a big game, who has really had a down year, but honestly, hasn't had a down year at all. It's looking like he had a down year, but he's had an insane year, a very good year for his standards. Obviously, not, not by his standards. You know, he's the best tight end in football, but either way, you know, he's had a great year. And I think he's really ramping up, turning it up at the right time and turning back into the Travis Kelsey we know and love. And overall, uh, you know, he's going to be the guy that, you know, the number one guy. You know, I know MBS, uh, Richie James, Kadarius Tony, if he plays, are really turning it up, especially MBS. I you know had a lot of drops towards the midway point of the year. Canaries Tony, you know, I know a lot of things outside of football, you know, the the live video that he said was not a live video that was he was hacked or whatever's going on with that. They got to step up in a big game like they did last year against the Eagles where Canaries Tony stepped up and had a very good punt return that helped the Chiefs win the game. MVS, you know, Juju stepped up in that Super Bowl last year. So overall, you want these guys to step up and continue playing like they've been playing all season. But, you know, more, not all season, but towards the end of the year when the games really matter. Um, with that being said, though, you know, Going back to Travis Kelsey, he's going to be playing against Fred Warner, who I think is the best coverage linebacker in the league. I love Fred Warner. I love his game. And honestly, you know, I think that's going to be a real challenge. This is the best linebacker he's really played against. He played against Kyle Hamilton, who's not a linebacker, but a safety. who's was a very good coverage safety. 
for the Ravens last week, as well as Rokon Smith, Patrick Queen. And this 49ers defense is nasty. I know they don't have Talano Hufunga. They lost him midway through the season, or really early on in the season uh, for the season. And that secondary and, you know, those safeties really, you know, taking Talano Hufunga out of that secondary, you know, that safety room is really tough because he's such a versatile safety. So good on the blitz, so good as a ball hawker. You know, you take him on that secondary, it makes it a little bit less weaker. Javarius Ward had a great year, the former Chief. And obviously, he's been saying a lot of things about the 49ers and the Chiefs, saying it's better over the 49ers and everything like that as a former Chief as well. With that being said, though, um, for Javarius Ward, I think, you know, he's going to have a tough task taking on Rasheed Rice. I know Rice kind of lines up in the slot as well. So if he's not over Rice in the slot, who I think is turning on at the right time, who has become kind of matured, not matured, but really aged. He's aged well as a receiver. Obviously, early on in the year was kind of not sporadic, but was, you know, definitely a guy Patrick Mahomes looked to. And you'd see him kind of go in the holes of his own coverage and not run the route full. Like, you know, he'd run routes kind of fully like a rookie. And now you're seeing him mature and understand what he needs to do as a number one wide. He knows he's the number one guy. He knows he's the best receiver, you know, wide receiver that is. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's in that room as well, but best true receiver. And Patrick Mahomes trusts him and has everything like that. So with that being said, though, I really do think that when it comes to, you know, Rasheed Rice having a big game, it's going to come out of the slot. You know, Diablo Lenore, I think, is a great corner as well. But, you know, when it comes to Javarius Ward, I think the cornerback room for the 49ers is good, but it could be better. And I think that's one thing that the Chiefs are really going to harp on, as well as really get the ball out quick. Nick Bosa, uh, you know, Eric Armstead, Javon, Hong- Javon Hargrave, I think, are going to be very good on the defensive line. I mean, you got the Avengers defensive line here. But as well as in the run game, I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to really feast here. Like CMC, I think you're really going to see them lean on him as well. Really target Chase Young because Chase Young is coming over to the 49ers has not been very good in the run defense. You know, he's been he had moments where he's looked very good, but just really has been that weak point on that defensive line, though. With that being said, though, overall, I think you're gonna see both teams lean on the run, really open up the pass, and it's gonna be pretty even. And honestly, I think that, you know, it, it's it's really tight. Like I can see the Chiefs winning this, I can see the 49ers winning this. You could see it all happening. I think it comes down to one play. But look, right now, I feel like the 49ers want their get back. They want their revenge. They want to win the Super Bowl. They want to put all that narrative that Brock Purdy is a game manager to bed in the offseason. You know, we hear all the noise from Cam Newton, from God knows who else about Brock Purdy. And I think that the 49ers are really going to put that to bed. So my prediction of the Super Bowl is I think that the 49ers will win 21-17 to in Las Vegas against the Kansas City Chiefs and get their get back game. So with that being said, that's kind of like my little, you know, nugget of analysis for, uh, the Chiefs versus 49ers in the Super Bowl. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I can't wait. It's really, you know, I'm going to enjoy it because it's the last weekend of football we get. So, you know, God knows when in, uh, you know, July or, you know, August for, uh, you know, preseason. So I'm going to enjoy every second of it. You know, obviously I wish the Bills were here, but I like the 49ers. I might, you know, my kind of like my second team. So with that being said, I think they'll come out with the victory here and I'm going to enjoy it. So, you know, you got to enjoy the Super Bowl too, because you know, even if you're not a fan of the Chiefs or the, or the 49ers, and I know a lot of us have been sitting there saying, you know, um, it just, you know, is there is there a way both teams can lose or can we, you know, get a meteor to hit the stadium or anything like that? So just that being said, um, you know, enjoy it, even if you don't like the Chiefs or the 49ers and, you know, Taylor Swift and everything like that. We all know how the NFL fan base is, or not NFL fan base, but a lot of the NFL fans hear about Taylor Swift. So with that being said, I think that the 49ers will come out victorious. Uh, we're going to take a break. And, you know, we got deal or no deal coming up on our next segment. Uh, you know, what's going on with Stefan Diggs and the Bills right now? Uh, the commander is hiring Cliff Kingsbury and what that could affect for the draft. So with that being said, I'm going to take a break and I'll see you guys in the next segment. Hey, it's me. You're listening to In the Huddle on YouTube or wherever you find your podcasts. 
If you do us the favor, please hit the subscribe button on your local podcast app, or if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button for notifications on. You don't want to miss an episode, and yeah, honestly, you don't really want to miss an episode. All right, so for our second segment of the show, we have Deal or No Deal involving Bill's number one wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Now, if you don't already know, I'm a Bill's fan and a member, a proud member of Bill's Mafia, that is. And Stefan Diggs, you know, obviously I love the guy. He's our number one wideout. I'm a big fan of his. Honestly, I hate the whole narrative that he's a diva. I understand what happened in Minnesota. I get what's going on with the cryptid tweets. I get it. I understand it. But I love the guy. I love his game. And I know, you know, a lot of people are saying he disappeared in December. But honestly, I think, you know, this is my theory. I think Stefan Diggs is kind of, you know, he had, he had an injury or something, you know. It really felt like he got banged up down the stretch and just, you know, in general, couldn't really produce at a high level. He kind of felt like he was favoring like an ab- his abdomen or anything like that. And I felt like that just really was, was th- what was throwing him off, you know, for the Bills and for Josh Allen. And, you know, I'm not really too worried about Diggs getting traded. If you, honestly, like, I honestly think that Stefan Diggs won't get traded this offseason. I know a lot of people on TikTok, on, you know, social media, on Twitter have been sitting there saying, you know, Maybe, you know, Stefan Diggs is going to be, you know, traded because of cap casualties and everything like that. But you know what? This is what this deal or no deal is. So basically, Bleacher Report, uh, you know, their grit, the grit, well, I can't even say their the thing. <laughs> the Gridiron, po- Bleacher Report Gridiron posted, uh, you know, potential trade baggages on their Instagram. And I'm going to go through with my Bills hat on and, you know, pretend like I'm Brandon Bean. And basically, you know, say if I'm going to accept these trades. Now, I'll be honest, these trades are not very good. But you know what? You know, I'm going to sit here and talk about it because... You know, like I, I want to, and I've been like meaning to look at these packages for a while. I saw the comments on this. If you go look on the Instagram or I think on Twitter, they had it on there too. Uh, they're pretty funny. And, uh, you know, they're very much a good laugh because a lot of Bills fans did not agree with these trade packages and I like them. So with that being said, let's get into it. So the first trade package they posted was involving the Bills and the Panthers. Now the Panthers would get, uh, they traded for Stefan Diggs. So in this, in this trade, the Panthers would get Diggs, a fifth round pick in 2023, that being the 158th overall pick as well as a six-round pick, which being the 197th pick overall. Now, with that being said, uh, you know, it's going to be rough for my fellow Bills fans here, but in this mock trade, the Bills would receive edge rusher Brian Burns and a fifth-round pick being the 140th in this upcoming draft. So they would move up in the fifth round uh, in this draft. Now, uh, I know Brian Burns has been a top-tier edge rusher the last couple of years and would immediately be an upgrade in the room with Vaughn Miller, who struggled this year with, obviously, coming back from the ACL injury. Really felt like he was rushed back. You know, I know Von Miller really didn't look like the Von Miller we know and love and the Von Miller we've seen with the Rams and really what we saw at the beginning of last year before Thanksgiving, before he tore his ACL, you know, where he was really dominant and getting quarterback pressures and everything like that. I know towards the end, he really kind of turned it up and kind of looked like himself, but really didn't look like himself at all when he came back. Uh, Greg Rousseau had a very good year in his like third, his junior season, I would say. So heading into his fourth year, uh, Leonard Floyd, who they signed in free agency, I thought had a very good year. And I'm, you know, I'm very happy to re-sign Leonard Floyd. I think he had a very good season as well. With that being said, though, the Bills' pass rush was very good this year. And I know majority of the defensive tackles are set to hit for agency. Daquan Jones, uh, Ed, Ed Oliver was going to, but he got that contract in the offseason. Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Puna Ford, all those guys set to hit the free agency market and probably test free agency money to see how that goes. Look, overall, though, I don't really like this trade. I know Brian Burns has been very good. One of the best pass rushers in the NFC, very good for the Panthers and wanted out for a while, would really help this pass rush group. So wouldn't really have to lean on just Von Miller and Greg Rousseau. But the problem is cap constraint. You know, I think Brian Burns has a contract coming up. He obviously this whole offseason he was talking about his contract, wanting a contract. The Panthers wouldn't give him one. You know, sat out of a couple games at the end of the year, definitely sat out of preseason and you know, OTAs and everything like that. 
That being said, though, you have to offer him a contract. And Von Miller has a contract with the Bills that is worth a lot of money, a long time, and it's got a lot of money on the table. That's probably the reason why the Bills have a lot of cap space, which I think they can still maneuver out of. And a lot of people have been saying they can't, but I, you know, I trust Brandon Bean to move some money around and you know just open up space to get you know you know people in that could help Josh Allen on the offense, the defense, and whatever we need on both sides of the ball. With that being said, though, you know I love Brian Burns. He's 25, getting into like the peak of his career right now. Very good edge rusher. Edge rusher. But again, money's a big thing here. You got to offer him a contract. He's going to want a multi-million dollar deal. He's going to want a lot of money. He's, you know, he's not going to take less money because he's not a contender now. He's going to take a lot of money because you know he knows how good of a pass rusher he is. And frankly, you trade for him, you get him. Yeah, you could move him to somebody else to trade up in like the first round to get a receiver. But either way, you know, then they're going to have to offer him a contract. You're going to have to either take a contract that he's on right now, you know, absorb that, or you know, offer him a big deal. And be a you know a pass rusher and a very good pass rusher. He'd be great for the Bills, but you have Von Miller on the other side. What are you gonna do with Von Miller? You can't move Von Miller's contract because it's so much. And really, it, you know, this season especially, and a lot of people have been saying for the Bills, move Von Miller. And I don't think you can move Von Miller because for one, his contract is huge. All right, it's a massive deal. Yeah, he's restructured it like four times, but you know, it's a big deal coming off the ACL. His age is going. You know, the Bills are better off just holding on to him, right? They're better off holding on to him. And if next year he performs like he did this year. Then you got problems, right? Either way, you know, I, I don't think this is enough value for one. One, you're not getting a number one wideout in return. Yes, you're getting a number one edge rusher in return, but you're getting a fifth you're getting moving up what? Like a couple spaces in the fifth round for Stefan Diggs, who was a number one wide receiver, who's honestly, in my opinion, a top five receiver in this league. Clears anybody else. With that being said, though, you know, and a sixth, you know, you're sending over a sixth and and you know, you're moving up what, eighteen spaces in the fifth round? No. So this is a no trade. And honestly, the Panthers don't have a first round pick to offer. They're kind of in shambles right now, and I don't want to send Steph. I know you're sending him to an NFC, but you don't want to send him to a place where, you know, he's not going to flourish. I know Bryce Young and Dave Canales are under the helm right now, but that organization is a mess. And yeah, it's just, I, you, end of the day, no good. Not accepting it. No deal here. So uh, the next trade involves the Bills and the Bears. So sending him to the NFC again. The Bears would be trading down in the in the draft. So they would be, you know, let's say they have a top 10 pick. They would trade down for the first overall pick. Uh, you know, let's just say they keep Justin Fields, which I think they will. We'll get into that segment later. But the Bears will get Diggs. The Bills will get their first overall pick this year, and that would be it. It's just a straight swap for the first, you know, for whatever pick that is. Now, if that's a top five pick, I say take it. You know, two, three, maybe four. I say go ahead and grab it because really you can get Marvin Harrison Jr., who I think would be the only way the Bills would accept this trade is that if Marvin Harrison was secured at this space, because you know you're getting a number one guy who, yes, is a rookie, but you know you're getting a number one guy eventually. You know what I mean? Marvin Harrison has been one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in college for the last four or five years, maybe three. I know he's been in college for only about three or four, so maybe three or four years. So yeah, but unless the Bills get a guy like Michael Pittman or T. Higgins in free agency after this trade is done, I could see this being a slam dunk because not only are you getting, you know, a guy in T. Higgins who, you know, I think is going to be definitely a number one this season. I think he's going to get paid number one money. Michael Pittman, I think, has been a very underrated number one for the Colts. And then you get an opportunity to draft a guy who is, who could be the number two guy, right? Because I don't think Gabe Davis is coming back. Get the number two guy who could be, you know, end up becoming the one, right? End up turning into the one, end up developing into the one. You don't have all that pressure on your number one guy to be, you know, not only a rookie, but be the number one guy. You know, be the guy that the offense needs to go to. You need to get him the ball. You need to get him going and really have to rely on that, right? Rely on Josh Allen getting him the ball. Rely on you know, I know Don Kincaid would probably be the number one if Diggs left. Khalil Shagir would be the number two. Then you rely on the rookie, whoever you draft, whether that's the 20th overall pick or if this went, this trade went through, the, you know, top five, top 10 pick, right? So overall, 
That being said, if that was to happen, then this trade would be a slam dunk. But I don't think that would happen. I think the Bears would trade to about 9 or 10, you know, worst case, right? Maybe 5 or 6 best case for the Bills. And, you know, Marvin Harris would be gone. Yes, you get Malik Neighbors, Aroma Dunzier out of Washington, right? That being said, though, I love those guys. I think they're great receivers. I'm excited to see what they can do in the NFL. And I hope one of them falls to the Bills. But with that being said, I just don't think right now they are at the opportunity to make a number one splash. Rookie year, you know, I, I'm going to give them a lot of slack. I, you know, if they exceed my expectations as rookies, which, you know, obviously the rookies, wide receivers, you saw what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave did their rookie year. I think these guys are on top tier like that. With that being said, though, but I'm not going to sit there and say they're, oh, they're going to go over 2,000 yards, rookie of the year, you know, 15 touchdowns, you know, like I, I don't have those high expectations for them yet. I think they're great receivers, great prospects. I think in the long time, in the long term, they will be great in the NFL and they'll be phenomenal. With that being said, though, I don't really want them as my number one guy heading into the year because they're rookies. You don't want to put all that pressure on a rookie wide receiver because it kind of puts their, not not their value down, but their morale down, right? It kind of shoots their morale down in the foot. And you don't really want to put that on your rookie wide receiver and put all that pressure on them to be the number one guy, right? When you had a number one guy, a top five guy and digs, and you moved on from him for whatever reason you moved on from him. So with that being said, unless there's Marvin Harrison Jr. in this, or unless you get T. Higgins or Michael Pittman in free agency before this trade goes through, with that being said, I, it's a no stone. It's a no. If you get them in Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, or somebody else who could be a two turn into a one, and you're able to get them in the draft and you move digs to the Bears, then yes, absolutely. All right. The next two trades are similar. They involve the Colts and the Texans. So I'm, we're going to kind of mesh these into one here. Basically, Houston would get digs for the 2024, 20, 2024 first overall pick, 23rd overall, and a fourth round pick. And the second trade would be the Colts' first round pick being 15 overall and as well as a fifth-round pick. So basically, similar trades here. Now, for one, I would want to move that fifth-round pick and get, you know, maybe a Tank Dell or a Josh Downs, even a Nico Collins to get a number two there, you know, just depending where that is there. But I don't think Indy or Houston will really, you know, want to let go of that, especially Tank Dell. Tank Dell had a phenomenal rookie year. Yeah, I don't think you're going to move him at all. Maybe Nico Collins after that, but I, I don't think any of those will be moved on as well. So with that being said, if you can move, you know, that fifth round for both of these trades for one, I'm kind of leaning in terms of the Colts because they had a top 15 overall pick. You move up in the draft, you know, to select maybe a wide receiver, which we could see one of these guys falling towards. I know the wide receiver run can be early in this draft, but maybe it could be in the teens where you can see Malik Neighbors or Roe Madunze or Troy, Fla- Troy Franklin or, you know, anybody else coming out of the draft fall into the teens. So really get that number two there. But then it results in setting a guy for agency. So Really, if I'm going to accept one of these trades, maybe it'll be the Colts. It'd probably be the Colts trade, but then again, you're trading into a contender in the AFC. Anthony Richardson's coming back. Same thing with Houston. You're trading into an immediate contender and a guy, and probably a team you're probably got the face in the playoffs. You know, CJ Stroud, look at the year he had with Tank Down Nico Collins. Imagine giving him a top five guy in digs. Oh my God, they'd be, they'd be nasty. It'd be disgusting, right? So with that being said, maybe leaning towards the Colts, uh, maybe Houston as well, but I'm not sure Houston would really give up. Uh, one of their guys for it. Maybe the Colts as well, just with the first, that 15th overall pick is we're talking about. So maybe Houston, maybe uh, Indy, not really, you know, Houston, not really looking towards Houston right now. Now I say the best for last in these mock trades. And I think this one was kind of like the best trade. That gi- it involves the Giants. And we all know, you know, the Giants roots from Buffalo, obviously, you know, Brian Dable, former offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills and Joe Shane coming up, o- Joe Shane, sorry, excuse me, uh, coming over former uh, GM apprentice of Brandon Bean. With that being said, uh, you know, this trade, I think, you know, is very good. And I can see why the Giants don't want them. They really haven't had a number one guy since OBJ was traded, right? So in this trade, they would get, the Giants would get Diggs and a six-round pick, while the Bills would receive Dexter Lawrence a second and a fifth. 
in this upcoming draft. So Dexter Lawrence is a guy who I really like, who I think would really help that interior. And honestly, the pass rush of Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, uh, Von Miller, uh, and Dexter Lawrence in the interior. Oh my God. I mean, that would just be a quarterback's nightmare in the AFC. It would really help the Bills pass rush, right? I know they had a good one, but that would just take it to a whole different level. With that being said, though, I know, you know, Diggs, you know, I just, I know Diggs would be an immediately, immediately a good splash for the Giants. I know, obviously, the, the, the current state of the Giants quarterback situation is most likely Daniel Jones. And, you know, we don't know if Saquon Barkley will be coming back as a Giant next season. I don't think he will. But either way, my point being here, just if you could flip that second to a late first or maybe give them the first, I would accept it. And honestly, I'm kind of leaning towards accepting it, you know, without the first. But I, I think it's a very good deal, right? Hopefully you can maybe move that second for an, another guy, maybe who doesn't really want, isn't really happy in their situation or just, you know, really flip it for a guy who, you know, can be a number one and, you know, just in general. So with that, or move up in the draft and, you know, maybe move away, move up in your second round pick and give up that second, you know, to move up in the draft. So look, I, I'll accept it. I, I think I would accept it. You know, that would, that. Dexter Lawrence would really help the interior, but I just don't think the Giants would ever give him up. Honestly, I don't think, you know, Diggs is going to get moved. I know all the talk in this offseason and last offseason, you know, the whole thing with Sean McDermott saying he was very concerned about the situation with Diggs and everything like that. I just don't know that, you know, Diggs is going to be traded. I think he's a valuable asset. I know he kind of disappeared in December. But I think, you know, look, this offense does run through him. And I think you give Don Kincaid, Khalil Shakir, you get number two guy to free him up. I think you're going to see a lot more of Diggs in the games that we need him in December and really throughout the season. So I think just patience with that, get him a number two guy, an actual true number two guy that can turn into a one in the draft. Khalil Shakir, Donkey Kid, get this offense younger. James Cook will be back in his third year, and I'm excited that he, what he can do. You retain Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. So look, oh, things are looking bright for the Bills, right? Tough loss in, you know, the divisional round again. But honestly, did we expect the Bills to be here when, you know, they lost to Denver when they were 6-6, six and six, when they fired Ken Dorsey? No. And... I think there's a lot of things going for them than going against him hanging in the offseason, right? So we're going to take another short break. We'll be back for our last segment of the show. I'll be right back, and we'll talk about Cliff Kingsbury and wrap it up the show with that, how his hire can affect the draft in some way for the Washington Commanders. All right, so moving into our final segment this week. Obviously, last weekend, if you hadn't heard, Cliff Kingsbury was hired as the Commanders offensive coordinator under new head coach Dan Quinn. With that being said, though, he was originally the Raiders offensive coordinator for about like couple hours or maybe like a day or two he was hired for the Raiders but eventually dropped out and became the commander's offensive coordinator many thought that was because of either money or whatever the commanders promised him that was better than the Raiders did the Raiders had to settle for Lugetti and that's you know we'll get into that conversation later but either way he's now the commander's offensive coordinator with that being said since he's been hired a lot of people have been saying that this may affect the draft because for one Washington is the second overall pick and many people feel that the Bears will not draft a quarterback, which the quarterback being Caleb Williams with the first overall pick, that they either trade down or draft Marvin Harrison Jr. A lot of the Bears players have been sitting there saying they want Justin Fields as the quarterback of the future for them. And with that being said, I feel like a lot of people have been kind of pointing the finger that maybe the Commanders will now get Caleb Williams because for one, Cliff Kingsbury was Caleb Williams' offensive coordinator for his last season in college. And for one, you're probably asking yourself, Josh, but they have Sam Howell. And well, Sam Howell has not been very good. He's had moments where he's looked very good, but he's had moments where he's looked very bad. And that's one of the reasons why the Commanders are the second overall pick. One of the reasons, but not the ultimate reason. And really, it's a really a smorgasbord of reasons why the Commanders have the second the Commanders have the second overall pick. 
With that being said, though, you're probably asking yourself as well, but they have the second overall pick, and, well, the Bears are looking like they might, you know, draft Caleb Williams. But for one, Caleb Williams doesn't want to be a Bear. All right, look, there's rumors, there's stories going around. You look all over it. Caleb Williams does not want to be a Bear. doesn't look like he wants to go to Chicago. And honestly, he's a D.C. kid. And why not pass up the opportunity to reunite your current, you know, drafty quarterback with his, you know, offensive coordinator from college, for one. Cliff, King, Cliff, King, Cliff Kingsbury, well, I cannot say his name for some reason, you know, has been in the NFL, you know, was a, was a I mean, a kind of successful head coach. He had Arizona that undefeated streak for a little bit, but then they got knocked out of the playoffs the first year, and then his last year which was just a disaster, right? That being said, though, you know, would definitely be, you know, it's his, it's his bread and butter. He's an offensive coordinator. You know, he could definitely help Caleb Williams if they are to draft him instead of Drake May or anybody else, second overall pick, you know, really help him flourish and kind of get up to speed and know what he can do well and really, you know, know what he can, you know, what he doesn't do well and help him adjust to that. And, you know, look, Washington's not a terrible situation to go into. You've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, their offensive line is not great, which I think a lot of their money will go to. They have Deron Payne still, obviously the, the pass rushing group without Chase Young and Montez Sweat, you know, really is a downgrade. Obviously they traded them and midseason as well for the trade deadline so that's definitely another place i think that money will go to as well linebacking core is not terrible but you know definitely room for improvement you know the secondary and corner definitely a place for improvement obviously they were one of the worst in coverage this season under ron rivera with that being said though look i think the bears are going to trade down i I don't think they're going to drive caleb williams i I fully think they're going to commit to justin fields they're going to they're going to draft either marvin harrison malik neighbors somebody to help them out in the offense and i think they have a later pick in the draft in the first round of the draft as well or I could be wrong. That's the Cardinals. Sorry. The Cardinals do that. But either way, they'll trade down. They'll get, um, you know, ju- they'll get Justin Fields another weapon, Marvin Harrison. If Justin Fields can't see with Marvin Harrison, Cole Komet, um, DJ Moore, and anybody else they add in during free agency on the offensive side of the ball, then I think it's time to really move on here. I think it's definitely, you know, you give them enough time to succeed and just hasn't succeeded. And whether that's schematically, whether that's just location or organization wise, Whatever the reason is, I think it's time to move on, right? And I think you have a, a very good quarterback class heading into the next season, right? With that being said, though, you know, I know that, you know, it's 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 kind of weird because, you know, we're like, what? The the draft always drags. The draft always drags. After the Super Bowl, we look forward to the draft and free agency. It's always a drag, and we're never going to know what's going to happen. With that being said right now, though, I do think that maybe the Bears could trade down and, you know, really, you know, just maybe to two, not even like to like two, not even like five or six to two i think the commanders could offer like what like a like a like a fifth round pick or like a second round pick next year or maybe maybe you know a third a player even uh you know that could really you know send you know chicago to the second overall pick get caleb williams give them the guarantee that's what they want they get marvin harrison at two the bears would and look it's 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 both for both sides it's easy you know what i mean i don't think the bears really need the first overall pick and i don't think they were that bad but i mean this is the panthers pick and that's why they had that pick so with that being said, you know, maybe maybe we see Caleb Williams in a, you know, commander's jersey next season. I mean, it'd be very good. It would definitely heat up the NFC East. You know, it'd be definitely be something, you know, oh, you have this generational talent and Caleb Williams heading to the NFC East. Definitely a new way to really help the new blood in the commander's organization not win the fans back, but you know, the fans are kind of in a honeymoon period with them. I'm not a commander's fan, but I wouldn't know. But what I've heard from commander's fans is like, oh, Dan Snyder's gone. You know, thank God. You know what I mean? So thank God he's gone, you know. But, you know, now, you know, I'm just happy that the the organization has new blood and he's gone. But how long is that going to last? If you don't win games, how long is that going to last? You know what I mean? If there's not a bright future, which I think the commanders do have that, I think organization-wise, general manager-wise, you know, ownership-wise, they're in a great spot, right? But overall, I think as well, you really got to keep make sure the fans are on your side. You really want to make sure that they 
have your back because this honeymoon period will not last forever. I think getting Caleb Williams at the second overall pick, trading up to get him, reuniting him with Cliff Kingsbury will really help his organization. With that being said, though, that is our final topic for today. And that's all I have for you guys today. So with that being said, draft is a long way away, but good thing to get to it. I will have a PFF mock draft video coming up for you guys on our SHT YouTube channel uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Eagles video, working on that as well. Listen to this podcast on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, whether that's you know Amazon, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast, let me know uh, in the comment section down below or just follow us on TikTok. Weed at me at Josh underscore D or take it one seven. Your thoughts on everything we discussed so far, whether you're excited for the Super Bowl or not, what you're looking forward to do, Super Bowl commercials, looking forward for the offseason. We got a long offseason ahead of us. We will, be, we will be with you guys every single step of the way. Expect this show every single Friday, if not once a week going forward. Offseason may ramp up to two shows and be daily. Not 100% sure yet, but for right now, look for it every single week. With that being said, though, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. It will be in the show notes for this week and in every other week. TikTok, Instagram as well for SEC Sports. With that being said, though, make sure you subscribe for our podcast on all your podcast apps so you do not miss our uploads every single week. With that being said, though, enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great weekend. I've been Josh from In the Huddle. And with that being said, you're listening to In the Huddle Podcast, and I will see you guys next week. Break.